Well, you heard the song as we started off, Pretty Woman. It was released in 1964. I won't have a show of hands to who was born yet during that time. Uh, but I told you I was going to use some of the older classics, all right? And uh, it was released in 1964 by... Oh, come on, you guys. Now, Roy Orbison, right. Uh, and, and so for those of you that well, that was a little before your time, not only was there a song, Pretty Woman, that hit the Billboard charts, which is the title of our series, it, it was in the top ten. I forgot now exactly what number, but it was in the top for a long time. And for those of you that weren't around during that era, you've probably heard it in movies, but in 1990, they released a movie by the same name called Pretty Woman. And I know some of you are nervous right now because you're like, is he getting ready to talk about that movie about a prostitute in church? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. All right. And uh, uh, if you know the movie, it was released in 1990, and uh, I, I personally think the movie was outstanding for a couple of reasons that I won't get into here, but basically the plot of the movie is this. The plot of the movie is there's this businessman, a tycoon, if you would, played by Richard Gere, who he falls in love with a prostitute. Uh, played by Julia Roberts, and, and, and so that's kind of the plot of, of the movie. Now, some might think that, Ken, come on, man, you're, you're, you're kind of elevating a prostitute to a prominent position in order to preach your message. Well, the Scripture is full of them. The Scripture is full of a prostitute that washed Jesus' feet. Or there's a lady by the name of Rahab that got to be in the family tree of Jesus. Aren't you grateful for His grace? Aren't you grateful that he's not ashamed to talk about prostitutes or anybody else for that matter, right everybody? And uh, there's a story in the scripture that I really want to pull out that if you think if Pretty Woman, the movie is scandalous and too scandalous to talk about in church, then we have to get and disregard a lot of our Bible because there's some scandals going on in the scriptures, everybody. If you think the Bible is boring, I don't know where you're reading. I mean, there's war, there's soap operas, there, I mean, there's some stuff going on inside the scriptures, and, and one of them comes from the book of Hosea, who is what we call a minor prophet, and, and, and really, if you read the book of Hosea and you contextualize what's going on there, it's probably more rated R than Pretty Woman is rated R, and maybe a little more gritty and a little, a little tougher. And, and, and the thing about the book Hosea, the thing about the movie, the thing about the song, is they all have this thing in common. The book of Hosea is really a picture of one of the greatest love stories there's ever been. And um, when it comes to talking about love, you would think by now, after preaching for 34 years, it would be something that I could do very easy. But when I start trying to talk about God's love, I don't know if you've come across this, it's kind of challenging. Because there's nothing to compare it to. It's different than any kind of love that we know. If I tried to use, a, if I tried to use romantic love to describe the love, which the book of Hosea in some levels does, it's tough because we all know how many romantic loves turn in tragedy, right? I can't tell you how many people. In fact, I had somebody show up to church just two Sundays ago and on the spot with their marriage license asked me to perform a wedding right then on the spot. 
I've never laid eyes on this couple before, but they wanted to get married. And I said, look, to me, I need to spend some time with you because marriage is a sacred thing. And, and they said, yeah, but we love each other. <laughs> They're really stupid. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I'm sorry, that's going to be on camera. You're going to have to edit that right out, you know. Uh, uh, we, we just love each other. But how many know, how many times we've heard about romantic love? Man, nothing will ever separate us. But all those pictures you took together at Disney World are now ripped in a million pieces and we're fighting over who gets custody of the kids. When I try to talk about God's love, well, maybe, may, maybe I could compare it to a mother's love because a mother's love is deep and wide. But it, it, as rare as it is, we still hear of mothers who abandon and abuse their children. So that, that, that doesn't really qualify. And, and so then maybe we can compare God's love to the love of an innocent child. And uh, that sounds good, but all of us know, and some of us are experiencing right now, the, uh, the child that we love is rebellious or has run off or is doing things that has broken your heart. The story is a love story. And, 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 and what I really want to remind you of is one of the lines in one of the songs we sing, Good Grace. I want to remind you that God is madly in love with you. And I'm just curious if I could take a survey. I don't know how the rest of you are. If you're watching online and you agree, just put a little hand up in the chat because I'm going to ask for hands in this room. I need to be reminded that God loves me. That's not something that comes real natural for me. It might come natural for you. But, but I don't feel like I always grew up in an environment where that was just a sure thing. And so I still struggle from time to time, not thinking that God doesn't love me, but just reminding myself that God is madly in love with me. The Bible says He dances over me. I'm on His mind all the time. Come on, somebody. He's madly in love with you. I know you had a bad day, but he's madly in love with you. I know you messed up last night, but he's madly in love with you. I know you got skeletons in your closet, but he's madly in love with you. I know you did something wrong and said something wrong, but God, the master of the universe, is madly in love with you. Yeah. Woo! So the book of Hosea, it opens up and it's just peculiar. It, it, it will shock you. It'll shock you what God asks Hosea to do. And I'm going to go old school. Usually I explain and then read the Scripture, but this would be equivalent to saying, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Hosea before I've explained anything. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you understand that illustration. So that's where I'm going right now. Hosea chapter number 1, verse number 2. Here's what it says. When the Lord began, began I want you to see this part, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea. Time out. This means this is the beginning of Hosea's ministry. He's just starting off. He's a rookie preacher. Okay, So when God began to use him, when, if I, I'm going to contextualize a lot, when Hosea began to preach or began to prophesy or began to speak to the people of God, so he's a rookie, Okay, and, and there's proof that he is just literally graduating from the school of the prophets. Uh, if you know anything about the story 
of Elisha following Elijah. Elisha was in the same school, and, 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 and the prophets would come and say to Elisha, why are you following him? Don't you know that your master is going to be taken from you? Well, Hosea was part of that school of the prophets. So let's go back. It says, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, check this out, everybody. If you think pretty woman is scandalous, check this out. Go marry a promiscuous woman. Oh, but that's not all. And have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Now, time out again. Um, if, if we were writing this today, just a promiscuous woman, how, how many know, <laughs> we probably have some different words for that. How many know what I'm saying, right? Um, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of slang and a lot of different words, and, and we're trying to be gentle here through Scripture, but it's all the same thing. She's promiscuous. She's literally a prostitute. And so he married Gomer. Now, Gomer, we're going to find out, has all kind of issues. The first issue she has is somebody named her Gomer. How many of you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> so he married Gomer, daughter of Diblium. Now, that's a very important, she's the daughter of Diblium. She's the daughter. I'll get to that in just a moment. And she conceived and bore to him a son. And I think that's all I have uh, for right there. Is that all I have for right there? I think it is. Um, so, uh, when it says, I, I just want to touch on this real quick. Gomer, daughter of Diblium. That, that tells us a lot already about Gomer. Um, because I want to, what I'm trying to accomplish tonight is I don't want us just to hear another sermon. I want us to, if we can, travel back and grab some of the humanity out of the story. Some of the emotion. Some of the, if we could see kind of beyond the written word and what's in the white spaces, it might stir some emotion, emotional ownership to the story. She's, she, her, her daughter, her, her mother rather, had the same profession. Diblium was a prostitute also. Matter of fact, uh, that's the, the, uh, it, it's a singular, it's a plural form of the word diba, D-I-B-A-H. I didn't put it on the screen. Which is, uh, which is a slanderous word for ill repute. It's a slanderous word. So, just like I said a minute ago, we have slanderous words for a promiscuous woman. Deba or Diblium is a slanderous word calling her some other things. That's her name. Imagine living life with that as your title. Now, now if we could read between the lines just a little bit, we know that Gomer is a prostitute, but, but hold on. It, it might not have just been her decision. I want, to give her a, a, I want to give her a little bit of grace today. Because as the story progresses, it would be really easy to point at Gomer and say, how could she do that? But before we throw stones, maybe we, before we put her in her place, maybe we ought to get in her place. Because if she was raised by a prostitute, if she was raised by a promiscuous woman, I, I don't know if anybody understands this, but if all you see is all you know, and all you know is really all you know, mm -hmm. uh, how, how can you change to being powerful when all you know is promiscuous? 
How can you change from anger when all you know is anger and you want to have peace, but all you have... How, how do you change when you see every problem in life as a nail, the only tool you carry is a hammer? How do you change? How do you grow up in a home where there's fighting and there's cheating and there's anger and there's, and, and there's promiscuity? And how do you now get married to a prophet, mind you, and start acting like a good church girl? When all you see becomes all you know. And I want to change. And I want to be different. But I've only had one thing modeled to me. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? I, I don't want to be this way anymore. But I, I don't have any models. I, I want to be a man of integrity, but I didn't have any models. I want to be a woman of joy and peace. and I, I, I want to be that Proverbs 31 woman, but I, I don't have any models. I, I want to be a man of God. I, I want to be pure in heart, but I, I don't have models. You see, all I ever seen was, and now I'm in a new place, but I still got old problems. <sighs> Come on. I want to break this story down into four parts. Just, it's just because what we preachers do, it makes it easier for me to remember, and I hope it makes it easier for you to remember. I want to talk about the requirements, then the relationship, then the rebellion, and then lastly, I want to talk to you about redemption. And I want to do it more in a story form, I, I hope, but you know, the preacher in me is going to attack any minute. How many of you know, right? So let's talk about the requirements. So let's back up in the story and talk about the requirements. Here's the requirements. We read it to you already. God told, he told Hosea, I want you to go marry a prostitute. That's a requirement. When God tells us to do something, Christians, that's what we do, right? Oh, wait, wait, wait. When God tells us to do something, first we throw a fit, then we look up Scripture, then we complain to the pastor, and then we cry, then we pout, then we post on Facebook, and then maybe we do it. God said, I want you to... Can you imagine the conversation He had in His life group? How was your day, Jose? You ain't going to believe this. God must be outside His mind. Well, He is, but you know, right? What is going on? There's no way God could be saying this. Isn't there a scripture somewhere? Isn't it interesting how we try to hold God up with scriptures? Like he doesn't know what his word says? God, you know it says don't be unequally yoked. Here it is, here it is, here it is. The only scripture we know happens to be the one thing God's telling us to do. And I'm not trying to make an argument. No, God does not go contrary to His Word. But, but God requires Hosea to marry a prostitute. Now, for, in order for us to really grab the, I, I hope, the emotion in that story, we need to first discover, what is He asking them? Me, me, see, it wasn't like Hosea came from the same side of the tracks as her. It's not like he really related to the life she grew up in. Let me explain Hosea to you. Hosea is a picture of everything that is good. Okay, let me say it this way. Dads, Hosea is a picture of every young man you would want to come knocking on the door for your daughter. I mean, I'm serious about it. If you study this a little bit, you will find out, first of all, Hosea kept himself sexually pure. Something doesn't add up here. 
Hosea has kept himself sexually pure. We find out through reading and studying about his life, he's actually handsome. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but he's handsome. And, um, and, and so he's kept himself sexually pure, he's handsome, and he's just graduating Bible college. I'm contextualizing, but there's truth. He's coming out of the school of the prophets right here. And, and, and if he, if, you know, in my day when guys came out of Bible college, they couldn't start their ministry until they got married. Nobody was allowed to go into full-time ministry unless they had a wife already, um, I guess because it proposed too many problems and too many temptations. So guys didn't go to Bible college to learn the Bible. God went to Bible college. Guys went to Bible college to find wives. And uh, that's the joke amongst preachers anyway. And, and, and so if, if we could just kind of dive into that a little bit and, and put it in our time frame, here's Hosea. He's kept himself pure. He's handsome. He loves God. He's graduating Bible college. He's ready to start his ministry, but he doesn't have a wife, and he can't start ministry without a wife. Oh, by the way, before I go any further, let me, let me just tell you, Hosea, his name just to show you the kind of man he is. His name means salvation. His name means deliverance. Whoo, come on, man. This is going to be one incredible pastor. How many know? I mean, if you can't pastor and your name means salvation and deliverance, right? And, and so here he is, and he's ready to start his ministry. He doesn't have a wife, and God speaks to him. Hosea chapter number 1. And, and I'm going to paraphrase the rest of this, but God speaks to him and says, I have a wife for you. Could you imagine how excited Hosea would be? I got all this going. God's got a wife picked out for me. We're going to launch our ministry. We're going to plant Radius Church. Come on, everybody, right? And Hosea is so excited. Now, obviously, I'm adding this part of it, but go with me just a minute. Uh, really, you got a wife for me? What service does she attend? Is she going to be at the 845 service or the 10 o'clock service? Oh, neither one? Oh, she must go to the Saturday night. That, that's where all the real spiritual folks go on Saturday night. <laughs> Oh, oh, she's not. Is she in the adventure life group? Oh, maybe, maybe God. Or oh, she's not. Is she in the knitting and crafts life group? Is she connected with Susan Evans? I mean, oh wow, that would be great if she's been mentoring her. Where is she, God? She she's not at any one of the services. She's not in a life group. Oh, she's probably too busy being on the dream team. Yeah, she's probably on the dreams team, and 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 God. If you would know, Hosea, she's not in a life group. And uh, she, 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 she's not on the worship team. <laughs> uh, for those of you old schoolers, she doesn't sing in the choir. Um, no, she's, she's not in a life group. Hosea, you will find her down on the corner of 6th and Main. Oh, really? Oh, 6th and Main? God, that's the worst neighborhood in our whole town. God, that is the red light district. That's us Christian men are not allowed to go down there. What is she doing down there 
in the red light district. That's the worst neighborhood in town. Oh, I get it. She's on the serve team. She's out with Valerie, helping people, bringing blessing bags. Come on, everybody. Oh, isn't it interesting how we always like to tell God what He's doing? Mm-hmm. She's doing missions work, God? Oh, and God has to come through again. No, she's not on a mission trip. And no, she's not on the serve team. She's not on a mission trip because, Hosea, she is the mission. Hmm. And I think that Hosea falls into the same trap that many of us do, or we often do, and we wrongly think that if we live right and we do right and we walk uprightly, that God is never going to ask us to do something difficult. Hmm. I I won't go into it tonight, but I'm curious about, uh, you know, sometimes when the Scripture tells us a story, it just gets to the point. But I'm interested in the white space. I I, I know he met the requirement, but can anybody relate to, but there was a struggle to fulfill the requirement. Anybody ever struggled to fulfill something God has asked? Please don't not raise your hand because I will call you out. It's hard to bring my hard-earned money because he's requiring me to bring meat to the storehouse. It's hard for me to join a team because I only have so much time. He requires something of us. And God is saying to him, no, she doesn't sing in the choir. And no, she doesn't play piano. And no, she's never been to church. And she's not going to know how to act when she gets there. And, 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 and I could almost hear Hosea arguing, yeah, but, but, but what will the church folks think? <laughs> no, better yet, God, um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious, what are the other prophets going to think when they come dancing in with their prim and proper pastor's wives and I come in with Gomer? God, what am I to do? Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that Hosea married her. He fulfilled a requirement. But, but here's where we sometimes get hung up when we read the story. The miracle wasn't that he married her. No, no, no. The miracle was not that he married her. That's what Romans says is our reasonable service. I mean, Hosea was in love with God, and if God required him, then that was just obedience. Come on, Christians. That was just, if God told me to, I'm going to do it, regardless of what I feel like or not. I'm, that's the kind of level of relationship that Hosea had. The miracle was not that he married her. That was the requirement met by obedience. Ladies and gentlemen, the miracle was that Hosea fell in love with her. That's the miracle. And that's relationship, which brings me to point number two, is the relationship. So we have a requirement, now we have a relationship, and um, this is where the story gets interesting. And this is where the story, if you're already reading between the lines, is a metaphor. It, it, it actually happened, but God is using it to mirror something deeper and bigger. He's using it, what we would call a metaphor or symbolic of a love that He has for us and that's relationship can you imagine Hosea he rescues her that's requirement but now he loves her that's relationship can you imagine Hosea wow I never knew I could feel like this I never knew my heart could 
I think about her when she's not around. She's always on my mind. I know she has a past. And I know she doesn't know how to be a homemaker. I know she doesn't know how to do all the things that normal housewives know how to do because she grew up only seeing one way and it wasn't a functional home, it was a dysfunctional home. And I know she's broken and I know she's battered and I know she's untrusting and I know she has baggage and I know her soul has been wounded, but I'm just madly in love with her. Some see her and see her past. But I see her as a pretty woman. Some of my girlfriends told me when, when he wasn't there, they said, girl, you ought to see the way he looks at you when you walk in the door. He lights up like a Christmas tree when you show up in the house. Uh, come on. Can you imagine Hosea finding her for the first time? I don't know what she looked like, but you can imagine, right? Let's just put on our thinking caps and, and let's just agree that she didn't look like a pastor's wife. She didn't look like a church girl, everybody, right? And, and could you imagine Hosea thinking, okay, I will bring her into my house. I will serve her. I will wait on her. I, I, I will teach her how to be in the Better Homes and Gardens Club. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll buy her a, a new garment. I, I, I'll give her a new garment and let her trade in the spirit of heaviness. Come on now, right? I'll give her a new name. And not only will I give her a new name, her new name will carry authority with it because it will be attached to mine. And people know my reputation. So now her reputation will be attached to my reputation and my name and the authority in my name. And I'll give her a ring to demonstrate that authority. Come on now. I'll give her a bath. I'll give her a new hairdo. I'll fix her up. I will love her into becoming somebody. She'll wear my name. She'll have my favor. Maybe eventually nobody will ever know who she was. Maybe eventually nobody will ever know. They would never be able to imagine her past. Because after living in my house for a while, and in my authority for a while, and in my new garment of praise 
for a while. It's kind of like what we have in Acts chapter number 17. It reminds us of something for in Him we live. And in Him we move. And in Him we have our very being. My, 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 it, it's, it, he becomes her covering, spiritual covering. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I need to go back to something because this is an important part. Hosea's name means deliverance and salvation. Gomer's name means complete. Now, hold on. Something doesn't match there. How can she be complete? Because she's never known what it is to be complete. Let me use a different word. To be fulfilled. To be complete. To be all. I I wonder if anybody's watching online, maybe in the room even, have you ever in your life felt like, I I want you to understand how maybe Gomer felt, this is complete knowing you're not. In other words, let me say it another way. Is, Is this all there is? Is this the fulfillment of my life? Is this the completeness of my life? Is this right here in the red light district, is this my destiny? Is this what complete is for me? Is this all there's ever going to be for me? You see, I'm complete, but that doesn't mean I'm fulfilled. Is this all there? Have you ever felt like in life, is this really all there is? I'm still empty. I'm still hurting. There has to be more to life than clocking in and clocking out and going home and going to bed and doing it all again. There has to be more to life than living for the weekend and getting stoned or getting drunk or getting whatever you do. Is that complete to you? And some of us live the life like Gomer and say, this is it. This is all there is. Let's party hard. Let's live for the weekend. Until your life will never be complete. Until, watch this, you marry. Until you get connected. I'm sorry, i got to use the word. Until you hook up. Until you two become one. Until you will never be complete until you connect with salvation. Until you get married to deliverance. Come on everybody, right? And the two, the two, you're incomplete. And the two, the two will become one. Oh, I shouldn't do this. It's not in the notes. I shouldn't go off on this tangent. Mm, but I'm going to. Adam was all one. Adam, the name Adam means all one. God put him to sleep, took a rib out of him. Adam woke up and said, I'm not all one anymore. Because over there was his counterpart. Over there was his missing piece, and the two become one. And when they become one, it's a wonderful picture, but it's also a picture of Jesus also. Something was pierced in his side called the bride of Christ, you and I. And Jesus himself is, if you would, if you could just see the metaphor, incomplete until we, the church, we marry up to Jesus. Oh, it's a love story, everybody. And the two shall become one. Deliverance from my past, it's the thing that completes me. Anybody know what I'm saying? Anybody been delivered from anything? Anybody here at all? Once you've been delivered from something, now you can start realizing, oh, this is what completeness feels like. Oh, this is what abundant life feels like. Oh, this is what life in Jesus feels like. 
And can you just imagine, of some of you that grew up in church, you'll make some of the connections. The rest of you, just forgive me, but I'm going to go on a little tangent. He, he would say, come to my house, for in my house there are many rooms. Come on off the street and come into my house, a place I have prepared for you. Come to my table. Come on. Come and dine. The master is calling. Come to my banqueting table. Anybody remember singing as kids, he sets me down at his banqueting table? Sit under my banner. His banner over me is love. Mm. And things are looking good. Things are looking good for Gomer. It's a rags to riches story. Who wouldn't have wanted to move from the filth of promiscuity and prostitution? And that's all you knew. Could you imagine how wide her eyes as she sits and he serves her? He sets her in his house, in his name, with new garments under his banner of love. Oh, my. And if we could end the story right there. If the lights could fade and the credits would start rolling right there. If Hosea's sitting there, there's candlelight, there's flowers, there's a meal, there's laughter, there's little, the, the, there's little cupids floating above their heads, <laughs> little heart emojis popping, like the ones that are while I'm preaching, you better be doing that right now. <laughs> and if right there, the credits could roll. And they lived happily ever after. And the violin music begins to play. Wouldn't that be a great story? But that's not where the story ends. It's almost kind of where the story begins for so many. And God's letting us know that even when we still are incomplete, God's reminding us that He loves us even when the story doesn't end real pretty. Oh, wait a minute. Come on now. I said God loves us not even when we're not all churched up. God loves us even when we're not all of that we pretend to be on Sunday mornings. God loves us when we don't look like a Christian on Friday night. And, and this is the part that I love about the story of Gomer because as Christians we love to let the credits roll and we just live happily ever after and we give people the false impression that after we're saved we see no evil, we hear no evil, we do no evil, we have no old appetites, we don't struggle with anything we used to and we live happily ever after. Gag me, would you please? Because it's not the truth. If you're going to share your story, share your story. Share your struggles. Share your appetite. Share the things that you struggle with because God still loves us. Because remember, God is madly in love with you. Because on the inside of Gomer, there's something that somebody will be able to relate to. While she has all this, she's in a new place, but she doesn't understand the fulfillment of the new promise. She's in a new place eating new food with new friends and singing new songs. But she has old appetites. Does anybody know what that's like? Does, does, I, I just curious, does anybody know what it is to really genuinely love God? But I got some appetites that aren't very godly. I got some reactions that still pop up without me even getting them ordered up first. 
Mm -hmm. And on the inside of Gomer, there's a conflict. And um, if all you see, Gomer, is perversion, how do you start living in the promise? If all you know is one thing, how do you start adapting to a new thing? Because underneath all the new exterior, there was an old habit and strongholds that were hard to break. Uh, could I just take a survey? You don't have to admit any current strongholds, but let's just fudge it a little. Anybody been saved and somewhere way back there you still had some strongholds to deal with? Like way back there, like yesterday? <laughs> like an hour ago, AJ? Uh, so let's talk about the rebellion. Because it's those old appetites. If you will watch, if you will read the book of Hosea, you will see Gomer. And, and I don't know, maybe you can relate, maybe not. I, I think you probably can. She begins to get restless. Because when you've lived incomplete for so long, abnormal begins to look normal. Hey, 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 church folks, can I talk to church folks just for a minute? Excuse me if you're not calling yourself a church folk yet. Church folks, the longer you've been saved, the more we forget what it is to be newly saved and really love God, but still have some old appetites and some old habits. And when all you've ever seen is incomplete, it's hard to live complete. Again, let me say it, I'm in a new place with old appetites. I'm in a new place, but I'm not living in the promise. Uh, does anybody here understand the conflict? She, she moved positionally, but she never renewed her mind. She is, she is, watch this, she's used to dealing with men, but she's not used to dealing with love. Okay, let me put it in context. We're used to dealing with religion. Give me a list of what to do. But this whole relationship thing and working out my salvation, oh, that's messy, I know. Just as messy as bringing in a promiscuous woman into your fine dining dining room. She's used to men, but she's not used to love. She's used to lust, but she's not used to love. She's used to infatuation, but this love thing, this unconditional love, this grace thing, this justification thing, this loving me more than I feel that I love myself thing, that's hard to deal with. So I become restless. And she feels out of place. Have you ever? Something from her past was pulling her. She felt like she didn't fit in. Have you ever? I don't want anybody to ever walk in here and us be the cause of them feeling out of place. I hate the feeling of being out of place. I moved around my whole childhood. I was always the new kid in school. I hated it. You feel out of place. Moved from California to Chicago, I always had the wrong clothes on. Out of place. Didn't fit in. I don't want anybody to feel what Gomer felt. Be out of place. I don't want to use our secret little code Christian language and make anybody else feel out of place. Come on, somebody. 
I don't want to use our little cliche answers and trite prayers and, and Christian colloquialism and, and code language that Gomer, she doesn't understand and it only makes her feel out of place. I'd rather a Christian get mad because we sang pretty woman than for pretty woman to feel out of place. Come on now. And Gomer began to self-destruct. And, and, and if I was to hurry this story along, you, can you imagine? She, 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 after dinner, i got to go for a walk. Uh, Hosea's left to wash the evening dishes, and he's washing the dishes. And, he's, and, and watch this. He, he's taken care. He, she bore to him some kids, but she came into the marriage with some kids. There's some kids sitting around the table that don't look like Hosea. And he's, watch this, he's washing dishes and he's taking care of kids that don't even belong to him. I wonder if God's ever had to take care of things I've birthed that didn't come from him. I wonder if God's had to take care of things the church has birthed in the name of God that never was God's plans and intentions anyway. Oh, I shouldn't go there. But how many know what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. I know you've never done it, but you know a Christian that has birthed some things and made some decisions in their life that was not of God. And now we're asking Hosea, God, to stay home and take care of what he didn't give birth to. Uh-uh. And I would further conclude that maybe the church has done that. But one day, let me get to it, one day Mrs. Complete, she goes out and, and, and she leaves. And she leaves deliverance at home. And, and, and kind of like the prodigal son, the prodigal son, which is next week's message, by the way, for Easter, the prodigal son goes out. The prodigal son goes out. And, and if you could see the father, he, he's... It, I'm paraphrasing, but he's on the he's waiting, he's watching, he's looking for his son to return. Can you see Hosea in between washing and rinsing the dishes and Junior get ready for bed and you go take a bath and she should have been back by now. She used to serve me in my house. She used to praise me and sing praises to me in my house. It's been a long time since we've had a good conversation. It's been a long time since she's shared her heart with me. It's been a long time. It seems like she goes out and stays gone longer and longer. I used to see her in my house all the time. Now it's every once in a while. It kind of reminds me of even God. When God, the Bible says in Genesis, He would come down in the cool of the evening and walk with Adam, but Adam sinned and God comes down and Adam's not at their meeting place. Adam! Where are you? He, he should have been back by now. I don't ever... I don't ever want to be the cause of God saying He should have been back by now. I've done all this for Him. I've given everything. A new name, a new robe, a new garment, a new house. I, 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 I've given it all. I've given everything I can. I've even given life for Him. He should have been back by now. She should have been back. I wonder where she is. She's never missed like this before. And he begins to weep over her. Because he doesn't understand the pull. Why would she leave this 
for that. He doesn't understand. Listen, when, when God said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't that God couldn't see through trees. It's that he, he had to investigate the question. What is this that you've gotten involved in? You're supposed to be the king down there. I'm the king up here. You're supposed to be the Lord down there. I'm the Lord up here. King of kings. Lord of lords. But you've gotten involved in something I don't understand. Where are you? Gomer, I don't understand. Why would you leave this for that? What is pulling you so hard? And she leaves the house and begins to wander the streets again, the Bible says. And he leaves his house. He leaves his home. Is anybody reading between the lines? And he begins to walk the dusty roads of their town. Gomer, who are we that he would leave the deity of heaven and come walk the dirty world that we live in? And let me bring you to my fourth and final point, the redemption. This is the good stuff. Hosea chapter number 3, verse number 1. Here's what it says. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Again. Yeah, 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 but, but she broke my heart. I know. Again. Yeah, but she took advantage of my grace. I know. Again. How many times? Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. See, she, the story started, she was promiscuous. But now she's an adulteress. Because she's promised her heart one place, but she's given her heart in other places. Ah, oh, come on. Maybe, maybe I could understand and justify why she was promiscuous. Maybe we can understand why in the world you live the way that you live. But once you come into the house and taste of His grace and taste of His love, how could you ever go back? But God knows we will. I mean, sorry. God knows she will. Mm-hmm. And, 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 loves, and, and go show your love to your wife again though she has loved another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Can I paraphrase? Love her like God loves you. Can I say it again? God is madly in love with you. He's left His home to wander the streets of this world calling for you because He's madly in love with you, everybody. Come on! madly in love with you. Hosea goes for a walk and, and he's looking. I, I don't know. It's just the way I read Scripture. I can almost imagine. I, I can see the dust poofing up around his sandals or his bare feet and he's walking the city. Hey, have you seen her? They didn't have iPhones back then. He couldn't show the picture. But have you seen her? Have you seen this pretty woman? Have you seen my bride? About that time he hears a commotion. Here's a crowd roaring and he follows the crowd. And the crowd is bidding. And this Gomer has found herself back on the auction block. She's back being sold as a slave. He can't believe her appearance as he looks over there 
and, and he can't even hardly recognize. Where are you? The dress he bought her is barely recognizable. The garment of praise doesn't look like a garment of praise anymore. Hey, friends, when we start losing praise and we turn more to the language of complaining, oh, be careful. Because the garment I gave her, it's tattered and it's torn. They've torn the praise from her. The ring I gave her, her authority is gone. And those men, those men are touching her. And I know that she left me. And I know that she looks bad. And I know that she did me wrong. But I love her. The miracle is not that he married her. The miracle is that he loved her. And the miracle is that God loves us. Are you guys all right with this? So he makes this decision, and I'll close it up with this. Hosea makes the decision, I will buy her back. It's in the Bible. Read the book of Hosea. I'll buy her back. Here's what's crazy about it. He had the authority to go in and say, uh-uh. I will take what belongs. I will take my creation. I will take what belongs to me back with me. He could have pulled the authority card, everybody. But he didn't pull the authority card. He bought back what already belonged to him. He bought her. They're auctioning her. Listen, we're talking sex slavery. We're talking being sold on the block. They're bidding for her. They're inspecting her. She doesn't look like his bride anymore. And he says, I will buy her back. And the Bible says that he bought her back. This is very significant. He bought her back with 15 pieces of silver and five bags of barley. Oh, he bought her back with those things. He pays 15 pieces of silver and five bags of barley. Real quick, I don't have time to go into it, but the number five, 15, one, five, and five bags of barley, the number five represents the number of grace in Scripture. Silver, he used silver to buy her back. Silver always represents divinity. Ugh. The barley always represents humanity. Can anybody see the gospel message? And Jesus left heaven and he comes and he buys us back with grace. He became a man. He left his divinity and put on humanity and gave us some grace to buy back what already belonged to him because he loves us. I love her. The miracle is that he loves me. I don't come from the right pedigree. I don't come from the right side of the tracks. But he found me. And he loves me. And he loves you. And he loves those that aren't here. Can you hear, Hosea? I love her. I know she's done me wrong. She might do me wrong again. But I love her. Can we change the story to end? I love him. Somebody needs to hear that. I love her. I love them. I love the world. Wait a minute. That sounds like for God so loved the world. That He sent His Son to come search for us. can't help but I get so passionate about this message because he loves us if we could set aside all the garbage church 
junk and politics and just come back to the basics that he loves you. You see, the story of Gomer and Hosea is a picture. She tried to be cultured. I tried to live right. But I still messed up. And it's about the time we mess up that we feel like we don't deserve his love. But we didn't deserve it to start with. You don't have to deserve it. That's why he bought her back with five and fifteen. He bought her back with grace. And God loves you with an everlasting grace. Come on, everybody. I'm going to end it right there. Will you receive that message today? I want to pray with you today, and I want to pray with those that are online. And maybe you tuned into this message by accident. I don't know. And I just told you a story. I told you the greatest love story there's ever been told. And if you are mistaken and you think the story is about Hosea and Gomer, you missed it. The story is about Jesus, God the Father, loving you. I'll say it again. He's madly in love with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place, I'm just kind of curious. This just hit me, but did anybody need to be reminded tonight that He's madly in love with you? I just want to pray over you. Father, for every hand in this room, I don't know what shame, I don't know what past, I don't know what hurt is trying to keep them. Trying to keep them in the, uh, excuse the illustration, but in the bad neighborhood, the I'm not good enough neighborhood, the I'll never be all that neighborhood. Father, in the name of Jesus, right where they sit, I pray Your love would flood them. They're not here by accident. They're here tonight because You wanted to remind them that You would go to the ends of the world, that You would lay Your life down on a cross, that You miss them, that You desire them, that You love them. You're madly in love with them. And I pray from this day forward, no voice will be louder than that voice. No past will be louder than that voice. I declare your love on my friends right now we receive it we embrace it in the mighty name of jesus if you're here tonight and you're not walking with jesus or you're watching this line online this morning on sunday morning church and you don't have a personal relationship with with the lord how in the world can you hear that message and continue to walk your own way and if you're not a follower of Christ, I'm going to say one last prayer and we're going to sign off. But if you're here tonight or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that if we'll confess with our mouth that He is Lord and believe in our heart, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He searched for you. Will you come home with Him? Will you discover the plans and purposes that He has for your life? If that's you, even in this room, if you're watching online, you can type it in the chat. You can click the little hand there in just a moment. But if you're here even tonight, you say, Hey, Ken, would you remember me in prayer tonight? I need to get my life right with Christ. I've made it things that it's not. I've made it rules and religion and hard and all of that. No, 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 no. It's just a God that loves you. That's it. That's all you have to know. And that's all you have to accept. He'll worry about all the rest. He wants to bring you into His plan, His home, His purposes for your life. 
say, I don't even know what all that means to be a Christian. Maybe you don't. We're all trying to figure it out too. We'll just keep taking one step every, t- every day. And if you're here tonight, say, Ken, I want to take that first step. Would you just write where you're at all over this room? I won't call you out and embarrass you. Just slip your hand up and let me include you in this closing prayer. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody else in this room? There's a couple. Yep. Man, I'm so excited. The Bible says all of heaven's going to rejoice when one, when one comes home. God ordained for every one of us to be here tonight. Would you pray this with me? And would you pray it loud enough that those that are watching online can hear? Because I believe there are those that have come across this message that are giving their heart and life to Jesus even right now. Pray it with me, friends. Father God, thank you for Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, I want to walk with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good hand clap, everybody. Come on now, you can do better than that.